Hi, and welcome to the Mandan Bridges podcast, the podcast where different generations discuss topics from their perspective. I'm your host, Carla, your resident millennial, and along with me today is my co-host. Dean, and I am your resident baby boomer. So let's talk about what everybody's been talking about for the last several weeks, Bridgerton, which is Netflix's number one watch show in history, really. I think Shonda Rhimes at this point is beyond being a gold mine. She's a diamond mine, in my opinion. So let's do a quick question of the day. Here's today's question of the day. How many countries is Bridgerton the number one watched show on Netflix? A, 40 to 50 countries, B, 60 to 70 countries, or C, 80 plus countries? Netflix is everywhere. So I gotta say C. You are correct. It's the number one watch show in the U.S. and in more than 80 countries at the moment. So, you know, my biggest thing is what was ABC thinking? Like, why would they let Shonda Rhimes go over some Disney tickets that cost less than 200 bucks? I would think they would lock her in to a very long term contract. Or maybe do you think that they thought, well, you know, she's been here for almost 15 years. She's already made us a billion dollars with her four hit TV shows. So maybe she doesn't have any more good stories in her? You think that's what it was? Well, apparently there has been friction going on previously. So I'm not sure what exactly the friction was. But I think maybe, maybe you know, they probably were getting tired of the same old, same old. You know, it's the small things that breaks the camel's back. And I think that might be what it is, what it was at the time. And you know, to think that just the cost of a ticket, an extra ticket to accommodate your family, that should be a no-brainer right off the bat. Just say, hey, however many people you, you want to take, go ahead. But, you know, there's some, some um, executive that just figured they have to go everything just by the book. And if it's not exactly by the book, they're not budging. <laughs> and I think that might have been the case in this instance. Those tickets aren't costing them anything because ABC and Disney, they're one and the same. So it's not like they were going to have to buy it out of pocket. But even if they did have to buy it out of pocket, that would be a business expense, which they could write off in taxes anyway. So no matter how you look at it, it's not costing anything. And to think this is somebody who made you a billion dollars, you know, it's just unbelievable. And I think I heard a while back, she wasn't thinking of going to Netflix. They'd reach out to her, but she wasn't thinking of moving from ABC. And like you said, the Disney tickets was the last straw for her. I mean, she wanted her kids to go to Disney. She needed, you know, a sitter or somebody to take care of the kids. She can't very well send the kids on her own and she's working. So what's the big deal in getting or even just a day pass? Well, regardless, if she asked for an annual pass. But you know what? <laughs> This show has definitely blown past all her other shows <laughs> that she's done with ABC. So, yeah, I'm sure they're having big time regret over there. You know, the biggest payback just become even more successful without them. <laughs> wow. I love it. 
So she has made a deal with Netflix, and it's rumored to be about $150 million. We don't know how true that figure is, but I'm sure it's probably somewhere close to that, to create more than eight shows for them. So we're going to see a lot of shows coming from her. So as we know, we and we've mentioned before, the first show that she has released is Bridgerton. And I just find the story of how this came about a bit surreal, because I was watching the um, Tamron Hall show. The author of the original series, Bridgerton, Julia Quinn, you know, she was doing an interview with Tamara and they were asking, well, how does this came about? So Julia said, apparently Shonda was on vacation and she read out a reading material. <laughs> and I guess um, she found whatever book she could find at the hotel where she or wherever she was staying at the time. And they happened to have Bridgerton on hand. She saw it. She enjoyed it and she made changes to it and had it rewritten for a TV show. And voila, it's the number one hit. That's what you call a lucky coincidence. Wow. You know, to end up with such a huge deal and you didn't even have to lift a finger for it besides the ones you did to write the book in the first place. Yeah, because I think she wrote the book, I think about 20 years ago or something like that. So she was saying, you know, everybody's asking, how did you get in touch with Shonda? And how how are you able to get your book turned into a TV series? She's like, I didn't do anything. It all happened because Shonda didn't have any more books to read. (laughs) That's the power of reading. That's why we should always encourage the kids to read. It pays off one way or another. (laughs) One thing I found fascinating was um, in one of the interviews that Shonda was doing, um, they'd ask her, what does her kids watch in television? And I'm gobsmacked by this because Shonda said her kids are not really allowed to watch television. <laughs> Can you believe that? She said that she believes if you're watching television, then you should be learning another language. So what Shonda has done, she has chosen to use the language option that Netflix has, and she's changed the language to French. And so when the kids are watching their programs, it's all in French. And she says she thinks that's working because it seemed like they're learning the language, which is actually a really good thing to do because we've heard, often heard a lot of people learned another language from watching television. I've thought about doing this with Spanish, but oh my God, the shows that I picked, it's like they're going a million miles an hour. I can't hear what they're saying. They're talking too fast. And then at the same time, you're trying to read the subtitles too. Yeah. <laughs> I think that probably only work with like the kids show because, well, for like a language of Spanish, because they will speak slower in the kids show. But maybe you should try French. I'm sure they probably speak slower than Spanish speaking countries. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I know. With yeah. other languages, um, it's usually a bit slower than Spanish is. Spanish is like a mile a minute. <laughs> That's hard to keep <laughs> up with the <laughs> subtitles and learning something new. So, but hey, like you said, maybe the kids shows are better to start with. So back to um, Bridgerton, back to the show Bridgerton. So on the CBS morning show, they were discussing Bridgerton, which is set in the Regency era in England, which is the early 1800s. And I think why a lot of people have drawn into it too, one of the reasons is because it has a very diverse cast because normally, you know, we don't see this diversity in like early 1800s or even early 1900s shows. So it had a very diverse cast. 
The queen in Bridgerton is played by a black actress. Now she's playing the role of Queen Charlotte, who was a real life queen and had mixed race heritage. She had African ancestry, which if you look at the pictures, you could see some of the African traits kind of coming through. But um, she was born in Germany and she married King George III of the British monarch. One of the things that I've seen, and there's actually a book too, it's called Invisible Queen, because it's one of the things that's not really spoken about. And second, that, well, she has African heritage in her. That's a big, I guess, taboo, because if they're not talking about it, I guess it must be a big taboo. So after research was published showing this information in the 1990s, the Buckingham Palace stated, this has been rumored for years and years, and it is a matter of history. And frankly, we've got far more important things to talk about. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, first you notice they didn't acknowledge or dispute it. So by not disputing, we're obviously saying, you know, it's true. That's why you're not disputing it. And then secondly, like, this is history. Why wouldn't you just come out and say, yes, this happened. This is true and move on. I don't think so much people will be talking about it still if they just acknowledge it. But what's the big deal? Well, I know what's the big deal, but I mean, it already happened. You cannot. Well, I, you know what? There we go again, changing the history. I was going to say they can't change it, but they have. They're not talking about the queen and not acknowledging it. They've changed history and it's, I'm sure it's not in the history books either. Yes, and this is what happens when history is told by the victors. It's told from their perspective only, not necessarily as it actually happens. It's, um, and as we've seen time and time again, the true history is being whitewashed and everything else is swept under the carpet, hopefully never to be exposed. But I'm so glad that these days we're finding the true history of things and with all the different documents, the historical things that were pushed to the side or pushed under the rug are now being brought to light. And we're so thankful for that because the younger generation, especially now that you have other races who can be proud of their own history and not of the history that's been taught to them or been adopted for them. And it's sad because, you know, a lot of that, those materials have been lost. You know, a lot of the records have been lost. So there's so many documentation that we will we will just never know. It's really sad. But what I'm happy about is that because we're so technologically advanced now, this will never happen in the future. <laughs> because with the Internet, like, like they always say, once you put it out there in the Internet, it's there forever. <laughs> If somebody's trying to rewrite history like they've been doing in the past, it's not going to be as easy as it was then when everything was on paper. Now there's just so much information out there and it's everywhere. So it's going to be, you know, in the future, I'm sure they're going to try to do the same thing too. Because, you know, humans never change. <laughs> they don't. They keep making the same mistakes over and over. I'm glad that in the future, you know, it will be a lot more difficult, let's say, for them to try to do the same thing again. Right, because now we'll have um, oral history and, you know, things will be talked about more openly. So it's much harder to put things under the rug anymore. Another thing that they mentioned in the show was that both Queen Charlotte and her son were abolitionists. 
It's also mentioned that the queen refused to eat sugar because this was, of course, produced under slavery. So she refused to eat it as a sign of protest. And she joined other abolitionists and, you know, in her own way was trying to do what she could. It's good to see that there's history to show that she was trying to make some changes. One of the things they also talked about was when Prince Harry and Meghan got married. They got married on Queen Charlotte's birthday as a nod. So, you know, they're assuming that's a nod to Queen Charlotte. They also get married at Windsor Chapel, where the Queen loved to pray. And also the title that was passed on to Prince Harry and Meghan is the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And that title was actually created after... Queen Charlotte's son. He was the first Duke of Sussex. Wow. That's really nice that they were acknowledging and paying tribute to somewhat, you know, the unwritten ancestry. That's correct. In the Lifetime show, Harry and Meghan, A Royal Romance, they actually had a scene where Queen Elizabeth is showing Harry and Meghan a picture of Queen Charlotte and telling him he is of mixed race and so is she, which in real life, Queen Elizabeth has not acknowledged this. The thought is if she did, she would be stepping into political issues. So basically having African lineage is political. (laughs) So true and so sad. It's another instance where we see things being politicized and not in a good way and never to the advantage of the minority race. Let's talk about some of the top shows of 2021. Let's see what we're watching. Okay, first show, The Mandalorian. Yes, I have because my family really likes it. I'm not um, into it that much. I just watch when they're watching it. But yeah, saw a few episodes episode when baby Yoda was kidnapped <laughs> I saw that and I, <laughs> it's, it's kind of engaging I've only seen like one episode I don't know if I like it or it's like it yet Mass Dancer have you heard of that television show before? No I haven't heard of the Mass Dancer the Masked Dancer is a spinoff of The Masked Singer. So basically what it is, they're in elaborate costumes, just like The Masked Singer. Um, instead of singing, they're just dancing. Ken Jong, who is a judge on The Masked Singer, is also a judge on The Masked Dancer and Paula Abdul. I mean, I think if there's any show that is about dancing, Paula is going to be on there at some point as a judge. <laughs> Brian Austin Green and Ashley Tillsdale. I didn't realize how funny Ken is actually. And seeing him on The Masked Singer is just everything. <laughs> I think because normally we're seeing him in TV shows or movies and that's scripted. And here he's just being himself. He's able to say whatever he want to say. And his favorite line is, I know exactly who that is. He's 99.9% of the time wrong. <laughs> Whenever he finally gets one right, in the next episode, he'll come wearing a crown and a cape and he'll come in with a swagger like he's a king of the world, <laughs> which is ironic when, you know, his other judges have gotten a whole bunch of them right. <laughs> and he's only got one and he'll be, so, he'll be on top of the world like he won a million dollars. I am so glad that they're getting Paula involved because anything to do with dancing, that's her genre. She has lived and experienced long enough to warrant being the word of authority 
when it comes to dancing. She's has so much experience and done so much. Mm-hmm. It's she's incredible. Yeah, and she was one of the top choreographers too. With the mass singer, we've had a lot of celebrities who were singers who showed up on the mass singer. So I'm expecting professional dancers from Dance of the Stars. I think at some point you might see Julian or her brother Derek on a show or Max or his brother Val. Star Trek Discovery, that's another one that I really love. And again, I'm behind in <laughs> because that's one, that one is on regular TV. So I'll wait until the episode is finished so I can binge watch that. But, you know, I'm coming to the realization that with all the current shows, like I'm behind. <laughs> I'm behind on all the current shows that's on television. You know, I think this is Netflix's fault. I think Netflix have totally spoiled us because we have Netflix. You you know, when they first started, we were able to binge watch an entire season in one weekend. And so when you go back to like regular television or to watch other shows and you watch one episode and then have to wait a whole week to watch another, I kind of prefer just waiting a month or a couple of months and be able to watch a whole bunch of shows at the same time, especially for shows who always have a cliffhanger at the end <laughs> and you want to know right away what is going to happen. You know, you're on pins and needles for the entire week. You know, thinking about it, I know that for a while and probably still is where, you know, generations were saying, well, the millennials and I guess Generation Z, we are all about instant gratification and like that's a bad thing and we're not patient we don't know how to wait but if you look at it we grew up in a time where we're getting everything instantly it's not really our fault that's how we grew up so that's what we're accustomed to that's what we expect So when other generations are complaining about that, um, maybe you should complain to the technology companies. It's not really our fault. This is how we grew up. It's different from when you grew up. I understand that. But this is our reality. You know, we have streaming services so we can binge watch. We don't have to wait months to watch an entire season. We have email, which when you were growing up, I guess you had actual letters you had to mail and depending on how far it's going, take a couple of days, weeks, months, I don't know how long <laughs> until you can get a reply. And for us, if we're not getting a reply fast enough on an email, we can text or DM. So again, so we can get our responses a lot faster. So this is the environment we're raising where things are continually happening. Then, you know, why are you blaming us for being impatient? I hadn't looked at it from that angle, but I guess you are right. Everything is right now. And certain things to have uh, sped up during the pandemic is since we are not able to go to the movie theater. Well, now a lot of movies are streamed immediately. So that's another thing that you don't even have to wait for. (laughs) I guess with everything, there's the good and there's the bad, but I don't see what the big deal is. Can you explain to me why you would think this is a big thing we have learned patience? And I would like to say we have learned patience because not every area in our life are we able to get something instantly. There are areas where we have to wait. Not everything is instant gratification in our life because we're just not that technologically advanced yet. <laughs> but in certain things, yeah, we expect it right away because 
we're living in a society where that's the norm. Yes, you are correct about that. But, you know, we grew up in a different era where everything was slower paced and you get to enjoy more things. And you also get to wait, 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 wait <laughs> for a lot of things. <laughs> Whereas nowadays you can get much faster, which <laughs> sometimes prove to be a lot better, sometimes not. But it's good to nurture different personality traits and different um, characters, like being patient. There's just some things that I'm, I'm impatient with, and there's other things that I will have patience with. And I think that's a fact for whatever generation you are from. There's just something you'll have patience with and there's just some things you won't, you're not going to put up with. I think that's just life on a whole. Yes, the wise one has spoken. She is so right. (laughs) Thanks for the acknowledgement. (laughs) Yeah, so what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Uh, TV shows. (laughs) The Umbrella Academy. Reminds right. me of like the X-Men, you know, with a school and everything and they're superheroes. It's dysfunctional family. Yeah, I've watched season one, but I haven't gotten the chance to watch season two. That's on Netflix. So I'll be able to binge watch. <laughs> but it's a bit cute because I have other stuff to watch before this when I get the chance. So here's another TV show that I'm just hearing about for the first time. When I heard the name, it immediately took me back to a, sh- a movie in the past. Um, the name of it is Clarice. Are you picking up on anything when I say Clarice? That you remembering anything from yeah, your past? The actress um, Clarice, who was on Dancing with the Stars, she's been in a lot of movies and she's always funny. Oh no! <laughs> Actually, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I was speaking of when you think of like a horror movie. In my head, I immediately heard. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, the man that I will never watch in another movie because of Silence of the Lamb. <laughs> Silence of the Lamb. Oh my God, I show. I can't even remember how the entire thing went, but I just remember like there was a serial killer and like he used to wear the, the skin or something. I don't know. I was a kid. Oh my God. Maybe I was too young to watch it. I just remember that show. It was so horrifying. Like, and he was, he was just too good an actor that I never watched him in anything again and I'm like I was just thinking about this the other day which is ironic too I was like if I had the opportunity to go you know if he was having like a party at his house or something I wouldn't go I wouldn't go I mean if it was just you know somewhere random then that's fine I probably, and he's <laughs> going to be there I would go but just something about being at his house even if it's just a group oh. of people it's like that's just creep me out <laughs> That just left me with goosebumps. That that man, Anthony Hopkins. And I see him do interviews and he seemed like a cool dude. It's just, I cannot get that image, that show out of my mind. It's just when you hear Anthony Hopkins, I think he's Sir Anthony Hopkins now. I just think <laughs> of Silence of the Lamb. And I, I remember him saying, hello, Clarice. <laughs> I guess at some point I might have watched it. I'm not a fan of uh, horror movies on a whole. So <laughs> maybe that's why I don't remember what it's all about. But you know what? I'm not a fan of horror movies either. Well, when it's like horror with animals, they have like gigantic snake, sharks. I'm fine. I love those. But his was a serial killer thing. And and I think I watched the whole thing, you know, which is the ironic thing about this. <laughs> 
if I'm not mistaken, I believe I watched that whole show. <laughs> so it's funny to say I hate horror movies. That man gives me chills. But I watched that whole show. I watched the entire Silence of the Lamb. They creeped me out so much, but I sat there and watched the whole thing when I didn't have to. See, that's <laughs> a, the mark of a really good movie. That you're scared shitless and you can't move. That's a mark of a really good movie. Yeah, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of like horror movies, Sixth Sense, do you remember that movie? Yeah, I guess. I don't remember the whole thing because it was so long ago now. But I do remember at the end when I found out that the guy that the kid kept talking to the whole movie, when I realized that he's dead too. I'm like, what? You mean he's dead this whole time? But I don't get it. Isn't the kid afraid of ghosts? And he's a ghost too. So why wasn't he afraid of him? I didn't watch that when he first came out. I watched that years later, but it's still a long time ago I watched it. I don't know. Maybe I need to, well, not Silence of the Lamb, but maybe I need to rewatch Six oh, Sense. come on. <laughs> Put your big girl pants on and go watch Silence of the Lamb. And then you can tell me about it. So does that mean you haven't watched it? <laughs> Why don't you put on yours first and then you tell me what I've forgotten? <laughs> you know, looking back from when I or when you were a kid until now, it's kind of cool to see how movies and TV shows have evolved and, you know, the different trends that happened. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was all about vampires and werewolves. And then it was all about you know, like zombies and The Walking Dead, that kind of thing. So, and also the CGI too. Every now and then I'll watch a show from maybe the 80s or even the 90s. And when you compare the quality of just the CGI that was, that they had then versus now, such a drastic change. There are a few shows though that did at their time for what they had, they did an amazing job that, you know, could even be out today. Yeah, I guess that you can see really rapid progress in um, the movies, the different elements of the movie making and the storyline and everything else. We've reached the end of today's podcast. Thanks for hanging with us. Stay tuned until our next podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mended Bridges and on Facebook at Mended Bridges Podcasts. Please remember to rate us and review us wherever you listen to us. Stay safe until next time. Bye. Bye.